This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. So again, I'd like to welcome you all to Church of the Living Water for our Family Life class. Uh, whether you're joining in person or, or live streaming, we'd like to say thank you for joining us. And God has got a word for you, so thank you for being present. Uh, now, for the past six months, we have been doing a teaching and a, a study on are you prepared for the married state? And during that time, we opened up uh, we opened up those sessions for questions. If you had any questions on the teachings or just questions on being prepared on the married state, we opened that up for everybody. And uh, we have promised to get to those questions after we finish the teaching. So now we are on, I believe this is week three um, of the questions. Um, so we will discuss a new question this week. And again, I, let me just preface this by saying there are no silly or ridiculous questions. You know, these these questions, these, this is a, a format allowed to us by God so that we can receive his grace, so that we can know what to do, you know, in the situations that that, that come up in the in the situations of life, especially in, in this uh this state that mostly everybody comes across, you know, across with, and they think about married, or am I ready to be married? So we're just thankful that God has given us this opportunity, and we want to say we appreciate all the questions that come forth, um, even in our study, ti- our study times, it ministers to us. Um, so we just want to say we appreciate that. And that being said, um, I do want to start off with the definition of marriage again, like we always do before we go over the question. And again, the definition of marriage, and you, if you haven't been with us any amount of time, this is something we have been going on for, for years and years. Our founding pastor had, had introduced to us. But here is the definition of marriage. Marriage is a divine institution created by God, whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again choose to enter into a covenant with an imperfect person for a lifetime. Right, let me say that one more time because it's, it's a powerful thing to say, right? Marriage is a divine institution created by God. Which means you, you can't go to anybody but God from the instructions or the manual because He created it. It's, it's created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents who are born again. You know, you, if you feel like I'm a good person, everything's going right and everything should be going right in my marriage, but things aren't going right. But remember, this is God's institution. You must be born again to understand His ways. So, who are born again, they choose to enter into a covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. So, it's when you're considering these things, you can't consider things like, well, if it doesn't work out, it's okay, I can start over, I can do this or that. No, this is for a lifetime. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Marriage is for a lifetime, so it is crucial we get an understanding before putting ourselves into a situation and, and we don't have an understanding about it, and then we, have, we despise the covenants of God, which marriage is a covenant of God. We want to make sure we do not despise his covenants. So that being said, the definition of marriage, I'm going to read the question this week, and then we will start from there. So the question is, how can I discern deal breakers or red flags from non-deal breakers when getting to know a potential mate? In other words, knowing when to show grace towards someone versus when to no longer pursue a relationship. Now this is a, a very... Interesting question, I believe, when I heard it. Um, and I'm going to read the first part of the question again because it, it kind of stuck out to me. It says, how can I discern deal breakers or red flags from non-deal breakers when getting to know a potential mate? So in my mind, again, one of the things that, that came up, I, I went straight back to, was kingdom relationships, right? These things should be examined long before this person becomes a potential mate, 
right? So this has to do with who you're bringing yourself around, um, who you yoking yourself with. So if you can, before we before we go in, because I do want to get into what a deal breaker is, and I'm going to get into that uh, definition. But I do want you to go to Second Corinthians chapter six really quickly, because before we discuss deal breakers, there is a certain person that's absolutely not right for you in this place, and I'm going to tell you what that is. That person is one who doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a person that is absolutely not. That's why I stressed earlier, marriage is for, is for a believer, for, one, for a man and a woman who are both born again believers. So if they're not a believer, let me tell you right now, right, right off the bat, they're not for you. And I, and I hope that clears up some of the issues here. Second Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to go. And I'm going to read here. It says, verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. In another place in Galatians it says, Be not entangled with the yoke of bondage that you were once before. So these are the things you have to understand before, you know, before we get into deal breakers. If they're not a born again believer, if they're living the way, if they're not living in God's will, the way that you used to before Christ, we're not to be entangled with that. We are not to go back to that. So that's the first thing I want to make sure we get in our mind. If they're not, if they're not a believer, then I'm sorry. That is a deal breaker. So again, let me let me go back and I want to cover what a deal breaker is. And I kind of looked up, you know, like the just the worldly definition of it because it kind of differs from God's. But I'm going to give you because it is it is it is relevant. So a deal breaker, what I found out first was it's the thing that you cannot and will not overlook. In your eyes, it outweighs any redeeming quality that a person may have. I'll say that one more time. A deal breaker is the thing that you cannot and will not overlook. In your eyes, it outweighs any redeeming quality that the person may have. Now, keep in your mind, we just went to Corinthians and, and we talked about what it says in Galatians about not being entangled. So if you put that into a believer, as a believer, a deal breakers, their character traits or fruit that shows that that person or I, they don't honor God and that I'm willing to compromise my relationship with him. That's what a deal breaker is. I'll say it again. As a believer, deal breakers are character traits or fruit that shows that I don't honor God and I'm willing to compromise my relationship with Him. And then the question went on and said, well, how do I discern deal breakers? How do I discern these red flags? So if you, if you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And the Bible tells us, tells us clearly um, how to discern this? I'm so grateful that the Word of God is so is so simple and so so clear for us. You know, we we're the only ones that make it hard because you know we have what we want to do. Um, but Hebrews chapter four, and I'm going to read verse twelve and thirteen. It says, "For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divi- dividing asunder of soul and spirit." So, I have to stop right there. See, what it's telling us is we have to let the Word decipher what's 
what's good and what's needed for our spirit or what's merely just soulish and what we think we need, what we want. The Word of God is going to decipher those things. It says, It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you want to discern the deal breakers, if you want to discern, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart and anybody who's involved with you. The Word of God will bring, you don't have to say, you don't have to be like, well, this, what you doing lining up with the Word of God? Just walk the, live the Word of God. It will show you. Listen, His Word will convict you. That's His grace. His conviction, oh, that's not right. That's not something that I should be involved with. That's not something I should be doing. That's the Word of God piercing your heart, telling you, hey, that's soulish. That's something you want, but that's not something that I need for you. It's the Word of God that decides, that, that deciphers it for you, that, that allows you to discern. And then I'm going to help you as well because the Word of God does allow you. Not just the scripture that tells you what it does, but I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says about it. So let's turn to Galatians. I know I mentioned Galatians chapter 5 earlier, but let's turn to Galatians. And we're going to go to chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 16. And I'm going to read all the way through 23. So, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Although, now now he's, he's deciphering right here for you. He's going to tell you what's the works of the flesh. And then he's going to turn around and tell you what the works of the spirit are as well. But he's deciphering right here. The word of God is telling you. There are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. I'm telling you, God didn't miss anything in there. He really did. If you go and look into what these words really mean, and some of them, some of them we have before, time and time again, but you may need a reminder, he hasn't left out anything. And then he says, Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See, the, it's, it's, fruit inspection is so crucial, right? Because that will tell you, it says in his word, you will know them by their fruit. It, it, you will know them by their fruit. And the fruit, if you don't know what the fruit is, the word will help you decipher. Which means i got to get in his word because it tells me what it is. And then it tells me what, I can, what, what is not, what is the lust of the flesh. And then here it is in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And everything else that comes from the love of God, which is his joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. See, the true red flags, again, like I said, they're the ones that go against the will of God. They're not your preferences. So listen, let, let me put it to you like this. If somebody, if they don't meet all your preferences, but they meet the standard of God, listen, they're a potential mate. But if they don't meet the standard of God, but they meet all your preferences, I am so sorry. That's a deal breaker for a believer. If you're trying to do the things the, the way God has, that's a deal breaker. So, I did want to mention a few things as well. 
that you can look out for um, just to make sure because a lot of people are like, well, I hear it in the scriptures, but what are some practical things? And to me, it is practically wrote not, written out in the scripture, but I'm going to mention some things that you can look out for that are opposite of what the fruits of the Spirit are. And number one thing that I came up with is this person or yourself, are you unforgiving? Right, just the normal, that's what I'm saying. These are things you need to look out for before you're looking at them as a potential mate. You can see these things beforehand. Are they unforgiving? Are they prideful? Is it always all about them? Because I'm going to tell you, if it is, it's going to be the same way when you get into this relationship. Watch these things. If, listen, fruit inspection. Inspect the fruit. How do they respond to authority? That's a big one. We, we mentioned that last week. But listen, again, if they can't respond to their earthly authority, what makes you think that they're going to respond to the authority that they can't see? Which is God. How do they respond to authority? Here's a big one, and I have to say it. Are, are, they, are they involved in their community, their church community, their local church community? Or is it not that important to them? See, because here's the thing about the church community. This is where you go to be encouraged. You're encouraged to love one another. You encourage each other in this room to seek after God. You encourage each other to be accountable before God and His standard. But do they value that? Or are they trying to get away from that? See, how can you love Christ but hate His bride? If you're not part of, if you're not, if you're not, if, if you're not pricked in the heart to love and be, and, and be for God, how are you gonna, how are you gonna be for His bride? Another thing, does this person push you to the edge of your boundaries? You know, playing that legal game. Oh, well, we're not doing it all the way. We're not doing this or that. But the Bible says, can you take fire to your bosom without getting burned? See, the, the word can decipher these things. Can you take fire to your bosom without... Listen, you're not going to make God a lie. Many, listen, millions upon millions upon millions of people have tried, and millions upon millions upon millions of people have become statistics and have failed thinking that they could do it different, but you cannot prove God's word wrong. He's telling you. But again, his standard is a choice. You have to choose to live by that standard. What is and love is patient. So are they patient? That's another one to look out for. Are they, does everything have to be in a rush? Can they wait on the Lord? Is it like, ah, now, okay, even in marriage, do, we need to go ahead and get married because I, I want to have sex with you. you. You have no self-control. No temperance, which is a fruit of the Spirit. That's going to follow you into your marriage. I guarantee it. You can't just push something off. <laughs> you can't push something off, not deal with it, and think that it's going to go away. Just because you put God's name on it. And just another side note, if you're having sex outside of marriage and you get pregnant, getting married doesn't cover up that sin. You still need to go to God and for forgiveness for that. That's just something, that's something side, that's, that's beside the point. You need to go to God and forgiveness for that and ask for his forgiveness. Because being married doesn't make it all right. You're still in sin. Especially if you didn't ask God to forgive you for it. If you didn't repent for it, what you're saying is, I'm all good. What I did was fine because now I'm doing what you said to do. I don't have to go back and I don't have to, I don't have to make up for what I, I don't have to, I don't have to give forgiveness. I don't have to apologize myself. I don't have to make right what I've done wrong. I don't have to deal with the hurt that I may have caused. I don't have to deal with that. I can do what I want to do. Deal with those things. Because I guarantee you, 
it's going to show up as a disappointment in life. And remember, remember, we get tired in the Sunday mornings. You don't deal with these disappointments in life, you're going to be discouraged in your marriage. It will show its ugly face in your marriage. And you will be like, I thought we were past this. But you never dealt with it. It's been there the whole time. Another big thing is, do they tell the truth? Are they honest? Do they have to lie? That's why I'm saying you need to look at these things way beforehand. Uh, they're always lying, trying to hide stuff, even just from, from the authority in their life. Stop lying. Listen, I'm telling you, a, a marriage based off lies, I promise you, it will not last. And, I, you know, I call it a marriage, but marriage is God's covenant. Uh, whatever, whatever the earth, I know they call it marriage, but if, it's not, if it hasn't been ordained by God, you can call it what you want to call it. And one other thing, uh, it's a big thing, and it's really a big thing on, for guys, I just know, is if they're not willing to commit, let's not give our relationship a, a title. Let's not do that, right? Because, but, but, and I can guarantee you this, you know, if they're not willing to do that, they're not willing to commit in, to God, first and foremost. It's in every area of their life. They can't commit to their job. Any chance they get a chance, any time they get a chance to, they're like, oh, vacation time's in, I'm using it. I'm using it, I'm doing this, or I might come late, I, might, I can't commit. They will string you along, say, yep, well, yeah, we'll get married, we'll do this and that, and have you all outside the will of God doing every little thing. And then finally you put that ultimatum on them like, alright, let's get married and now we're not in sin anymore. No, no, no. They're not willing to commit. Now they just put a stamp on it and pretty soon, I promise you, divorce will be an option. So these are just a few things. And you can, you can go down the, the fruits of the Spirit and you can go through the lust of the flesh and say, you know what, I can see this there. I can see that there. Because all these things are covered in the fruits of the Spirit. But these are things, as far as discerning, use the Word of God. Use it to help discern the fruit in you and in others, long before they become a potential mate. Amen. Amen. So, um, Minister was talking about discernment. So, there are things we can see as a human, as a person, but true discernment, what you're looking for, what we're looking for, because we are people of God, is we want the discernment that comes from God. So in our lives, we can't allow anything to keep us from the wisdom of God and his understanding. So when we think about these relationships that we have, we can call them dating, whatever you want to call it, uh, getting to know each other, getting to that potential mate, engagement, all those things. We have to remember these, these come with kind of attachments or emotions, what you're trying to do is get attached. So sometimes what we'll do is we will see what we want to see. So the deal breaker will show up, but we won't see it as a deal breaker because we've already attached ourselves to that person. So we look at it a different way. So let's go back to Minister was talking about a deal breaker. A deal breaker, I think we talked about in the, in the question, it talks about red flags. So what I thought of red flags like a red light, that means stop. So a deal breaker means it's not going to happen. It is over. There, I'm not trying to fix you. I have seen the fruit. I've seen that you are lying. I've seen that you're manipulative, that you don't honor authority, that you don't, your relationship to God, if, with God, means nothing to you. You don't go after that. That means I'm going to pray for you, but you, you out. That's a deal breaker. There's no fixing. There's no pursuing anymore. That means it's over. There's no negotiation. There's no compromise. 
When you see those things, if you stay, you're about to compromise. Now, when I say if you stay and get away from, I'm not saying that you treat that person like they're a leper. It just means that they're not part of, as, as our pastor would say, they're not part of your circle anymore. They're a person, you are going to pray for them because you saw some things, or maybe you're like, okay, God, I just want them to have a right relationship with you. You're not going to hate them, but that relationship or the time that you're investing in them pulls away because they're pulling you away from God. So when we see these deal breakers, it is time to get away from that relationship. Over in, I believe it's Second Corinthians, uh, Minister Hill read it, the last uh, 17 and 18. It says, come out from among them and be ye separate. And when you do that, it says at 18, and God, he's going to be a father unto you. So what I think about with that is in this case. So here you are. You're in this relationship. You like this person. You're spending time with them. You, you form, maybe they're just um, little baby attachments. Not real strong, but you form some type of attachment. And as people, pulling away from them will hurt. But guess what? God's going to be a father to you. Because you're going to do what God says do. Now, the thing about this, usually when you see these red flags, if you really had been paying attention, you would have seen some yellow flags. What? The yield. Whoa, let me slow it down. Because something that they just said, and it could be just them talking about their day at work. It could be them talking about a conversation they had with their parents. But you you heard them say that, but you just glossed over it because they're so cute. You're looking in their eyes. You're thinking about... What, what our wedding is going to look like or how many people are going to be jealous because your ring's going to be big because he makes a lot of money. Get real. Now don't play. So now you, you glossed over that. But the thing about it is, is we have to make sure, and, and this is, I, I'm, I am an unmarried person, so I have to make sure. So when I say we, I mean really we. I'm in this too. We have to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to um, bully or bulldoze what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Because remember, discernment comes from God. So I still, when you are dating or you are, are in these relationships or whatever, you're, you're on the market. I don't know how you say it now. Whatever it is. You, you, you want to be with somebody. You get with somebody, whether it's the beginning stages, the middle, or engagement that relationship does not override or take priority over your relationship with God. I like this. It, it was a word in here that got me. I was looking at it last night in this question. Pursue. Our pursuit as believers is God. Married or unmarried. But as an unmarried person, when that relationship comes, I'm still pursuing God. That relationship is, um, shall we say, an add-on. My pursuit of God does not change. So how can I be sensitive to the Spirit and that's accept that discernment, the wisdom that God is giving me. And when I say accept, what I mean is to hear His Word, to understand what He's saying, to obey what He is saying, and to continue to act on what He's telling me. So how do I do that? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses 22 and 23. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So, when I am focused on God and His Word, when I'm truly focused on Him, there's light. 
When I turn my focus to anything else, there's darkness. Now, we know in the dark we can't see. Even if it's just dim, we may be able to see outlines and shapes, but we can't see the true things. Like if we turn the lights out here, we may be able to tell that there are chairs and different things, but we don't know the real form. We're going to run into things. So that's when you decide to um, focus on a relationship, you no longer can see the truth because no longer is light coming in, darkness is coming in. So if you're focusing on the relationship, everything, because what, what happens is it's just like when you turn your head. When I turn my head over this way, my focus is different. Now my perspective is different. So those things that are deal breakers that Minister Hill was talking about, the fruit of the flesh, those things, they don't look as bad anymore. We'll start to make um, excuses. What's really, well, it I mean, they, I know they lied about being late to work, but they didn't want to tell the truth because then they would have had to tell their family problems. Okay, well, whatever, that's still a lie. But when my perspective is off, I can um, make those things look right. Now, when God is my perspective, when I am focused on him, the perspective is right. The light is coming in. So I will seek out his word, and he'll show me those things like, no, no, I know you say your standard as a person is that's a small thing, but in my eyes, I see right now that's a seed, and it's going to grow up into something else. Go over to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. So we want to keep our focus on God. Our pursuit is God. Now, I was saying earlier, sometimes in, the, in these relationships, it is it's a personal relationship. I don't want to call it a romantic relationship because it shouldn't be. Okay, that comes later after marriage. Don't add that kind of stuff in. Now, you know, there are certain things you can do, but don't add stuff in your unmarried state that's for the marriage covenant. Don't make something romantic when you should just be getting to know someone. So what we do sometimes is we jump the gun. We get ahead of ourselves because we're so excited. We met somebody that we like and, and we feel like we have something in common with them. We see this could be a future. So we're like, let's go. Let's go full steam ahead. I got a clock. I need six months because my lease is up in six months. And then, yeah, I can get married and I won't have to renew the lease. All those types of things. They come into play. So let's go to um, Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to read um, 23 through 27. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let not thine eyes look right on, excuse me, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Now I'm going to read that again, but I'm going to read the message version here. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where your life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all side show distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. So the thing here, what I'm pulling out is all the things like in verse 23 is what we're going to kind of focus on. But 24, 25, 26, 27, those things come too. Because if you don't keep your heart, you will end up with a forward mouth. 
you will not be able to look straight on. Because what I mean when I say keep your heart or guard your heart, that means to maintain it, to protect it from danger. And what do you mean protect your heart from danger? It says here, out of it flow the issues of life. You don't want things in your heart that are going to damage your relationship with God. So now how does that deal with, we'll call it a dating relationship? You put yourself in a vulnerable position because what happens is you start sharing things with people that you shouldn't share. And I know the first thing we go to is physical. No, you should not get physical. We mentioned that with the romantic things. And we'll talk about some other things with romance. So, you know, the little cute little notes and you're so sweet and you're the best thing. That's okay. But make sure you, you don't do that until you know a person. You don't start sharing your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, your deep fears, those intimate things. You just don't jump in with that. You know, what I was thinking about, you know, on a first date, the first few dates, you get to know a person. Talk to them like you talk to a person in the grocery store. How are you doing? How was your day? How was work? And then as you get to know a person, you keep saying those things. Even, you know, sometimes you may be with somebody and you had a really bad day at work and you're really upset about it and you want to talk about it, but you don't know that person well enough to share those things with them. That's what's called guarding your heart. You're not being closed off. You're just protecting what's important. And what, see, the thing about it is once you give that to that person, you, you think it's just having a conversation. Oh, well, I want three children, and I want five children. Well, what, well, what will we do? Have four? What will we do? I done met you three times, and we are, we are already talking about how many babies we having. What we going to do next Christmas? I don't know you like that. The thing about Minister Hill was talking about them being in their community they won't even make plans to go on a cruise with the church in a year when they've been in the church for 15 years but they've known you for 15 days and they already talking about where you're going to live so when you and the thing about it is now that's a red flag now this is sister castilla right here you telling me all of your business and i've known you for 15 days that's a red flag you can believe i'm out because that means that you don't you don't have self-control you don't have temperance you don't have patience so you don't go out and you don't do those things. That's what I mean. You can be friends with somebody, but let it be a progression. You know, don't lead with your emotions and your desires. Keep your focus on God. That's what I'm saying. Every time, if you, if you tend to do this, every time before you talk to that person, you, before you go out with that person, make sure you pray. You may have to fast. You may have to do, these, these, are, very, these are things that you can implement in your life so that you don't get yourself in trouble. Because we all tend to do that. We will all uh, fall that way. We want to, you know, you want a relationship. You like this person. You started to trust them. But it's okay to take it slow. It's okay not to get entangled with somebody and you don't really know them like that. Examine the fruit. And the fruit can only be examined by God's standards, not yours. So God's not going to keep anything from you that you need to know. So take your time and get to know that person. Pay attention to what they're doing, how they deal with other relationships in their life. And during that time, stay under authority. Get counsel. Remember, this is a process. Dating's not marriage. You don't have to stay with somebody because you dated them a long time. When you see the red flags, it's okay to get out because God is showing you something. Amen? Uh, before you go, Minister Hesson, just some Minister Castile said, um, she said, God won't keep anything from you you need to know. And that's uh, it's so true. I love how she started off with saying, you know, Christ is the light. 
And if you have them, then you're full of light. And it just took me back to the scripture that we went to earlier, and I just want to share it with you because I didn't read it, and I meant to earlier, Hebrews 4, verse 12 and 13. And I'm just going to read 13 because I read 12 earlier. But it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So you're worried about, you know, but what if I can't see this or that? Or what do I need to know? All things are open in this sight. All things are, God, listen, he is light. Jesus is the light. He can shed the light on all. That's what I'm saying. The word will show you how to discern. All things are open. There's nothing that is hidden from him. Even if you think, well, that person can hide it from me. No, they, not if you're in Christ. Not if you have the light. The light will expose the darkness. So stay in him. Amen. Amen. And again, it's in so many things already been said, to be honest. And I'm just going to pick up from where things been. Just go back and see, repeat it again because it's very important for you understand where you're at, right? Everybody's not at the same level. We hear that all the time. And we're talking about those that are unmarried, right? So that means you're, you're not in a covenant relationship with anyone, right, when it comes to, to marriage or spouse, right? You don't have a wife. You don't have a husband. Never forget that. What does that mean? That means you hold all the leverage, on this side, right? And so let's, you know, I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go back to what Minister Castile has said. Because this, this thing, when I read this question, how can I discern deal breakers and red flags? And discernment is very important uh, point of this, this, this uh, question. So Matthew 6, and I'm going to pick up on verse 22. It says, The light of the body is the eye. <clears throat> if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now here's verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Why is that so important? We've been saying this all the time about deal breakers, right? You're a believer. What does that mean, I'm a believer? That means it's already settled who's Lord. Right? Who's Lord of my life? God is. The Lord Jesus. Right? The one that you claim as your Savior. He's Lord. So so now I'm in this unmarried state, and I'm in my dating and courting, whatever you call your relationship is, and, and now we forget that He is Lord. Right? He's my God. He's my Master. So now when it comes to the sermon, we've been saying this, God will reveal to you those red flags about that individual. Let me tell you something. God will reveal to you the red flags about yourself. <laughs> or, or, or like Minister Steele, the yellow flags, the caution light. God will show you areas in your life that are like, you ain't ready for no covenant. God will show you're not ready to enter into my marriage covenant. You're not. Forget about the other person. Look in the mirror. You're not. God will reveal that to you. Like Minister uh, Hill was talking about the Word of God. Right? Will enlighten you and show you that you're not ready for this. Right? And so, but when we get into the state of, of, of searching and pursuing and talking about discernment, here's the thing, right? And Minister still said it. We give our heart over to that person. Right? And whoever our potential mate is. I like that. Once you call them mate, you already made a decision like, hey, this could be the one. See, you, you're already there. Why do you say a potential mate? Let me tell you something. Everybody that's unmarried is a potential mate. Right? Not the one that you just with. Everybody that's unmarried is a potential mate. If you want to use that terminology, but you've already decided that one. Right? So now that means you've given your heart over to them. 
And once you give your heart over to them, you cannot have proper discernment. And minister still said it, right? You, you, your, hey, your filters are on. And I, we've been saying this for so long. We've been doing this premarital class for so long. I understand this. The, the dating, they call it a dating game for a reason. It's a game. Dating and courting is a game. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to bust y'all both. It's a game. Right? Understand, you are the players in the game, and you're about to get played. That's what it is. Because marriage is a whole different ballgame. It's, it's night and day. And folks that got married, they realize that. Oh, this ain't dating and courting. Well, no, it ain't. Because you got to look at that person every single day. But anyway, so it, it's totally different. Right? And so, so realize that going into it. It's a game. So now if you give your heart to that person, and then now you compromise the standard of God, then your discernment is off. You don't have it. You can't discern whether this person is potential mate or not. All you're looking at is, how can I fix them? And that's what I like about this second part of this question, right? The second part of this question really gets me. It says, in other words, knowing when to show grace. When to show grace towards someone versus when no longer to pursue a relationship. Now, when I read this, and I'm not putting no one down, I, I, I don't know who wrote this question, but when I read these things, you know, my mind goes to being religious. Because I'm showing grace. Now, now, understand what grace is for. Right? The Bible says grace is for salvation. For by grace are you saved through Jesus Christ, by faith. Right? You're saved by grace. So, do I have the ability to show grace? Am I here to save you? No. That's not my, that is not my job. That's for the Lord God alone. So, again, look at these, catch the attitude when it comes to dating and courting. I don't know why all of a sudden we turn off our brains and, and, and it's all about our heart and we get so, like Minister still said, we get so caught up in our, our emotions and romantic stuff. You know, stop watching all your little movies, your little shows, your little streaming. That's not real. It's scripted. Guess what? Life is not scripted. And you'll figure that out as you go along. But God, in His great mercy, has already provided for you what you need to endure. Right, And so that's why it's so important to understand that now my, my discernment is off and I'm going to show grace. No, I'm not showing grace to this person. I'm going to go back to what Minister, uh, Minister Hill talked about, the fruit of the Spirit. What do I show to every, everybody? Love. That's what God, God said, you owe no man but, but to love me. That's all you owe them is love. That's every man, not to, just your potential mate. You owe every man love because you're a believer. That means the love of God restrains me. Right, so I have so my one point is saying all this. Don't leave you being a believer when it comes to dating and courting. How can we shut off the, the, the concept of being a believer? So now we're talking about discernment, looking at certain characteristics, and again, Minister Hill broke down. There's practical things you need to look at, but but in my mindset is if you shut off that you are a believer in your dating and courting phase, you will go down the wrong path. You're not going to have discernment. And the, so what happens is this, right? We go through these premarital classes, and again, I'm not. Not fussing. I'm really not. But, but we go through these premarital classes, and then guess what? God does what God always does, reveals to you your red flags, and reveals to you the other person's red flags. And then now you have to make a choice. Right? What are you going to do? And I'm going to tell you this. In all these classes that we've been in, I can remember years ago, only one person, one that I know of, that heard the teachings years ago, Applied it, and guess what? They were engaged and they backed out of it. Right? One person I know of. Right? But God's revealed it to a lot of us. Every one of you that's in this situation. You're unmarried. Right? This is God showing you. The sermon is here. 
you know, the sermon is saying somewhere, you have to come here to hear God's counsel. The discernment comes here. God revealed to you exactly what you need to know about the relationship. Right? So how do you need to respond? So, so I have some other stuff here, but we'll just, because everything's already been said, but this is the thing that gets me. How do you respond when, it, when you do have a deal breaker? The response when, when a deal breaker is revealed to you is not to how to fix that person. That's not your response. That's not your job. Here's a response when, you, when the deal breaker is, is, is revealed to you. Learn to have a walk away game. And Pastor Hill mentioned, you, she said this months, she said this a while back, you need a walk away game. And I'm going to give you an, uh, somebody who had a, a very good walk away game. Her name was the Queen of Sheba. Turn to, turn to uh, 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 10, excuse me. 1 Kings chapter 10. Because you need a walk away game. Right? And, and again, I know the, the one individual, like I said, that I, I know that heard this counsel and, and made some changes years ago, they had a walk away game. I'm walking away from this. First Kings chapter 10, starting in verse number 1. It says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. So here it is. The queen of Sheba came to Solomon. We understand who Solomon is. Now understand this, brothers. None of you brothers are Solomon. You ain't close to Solomon. You want the benefits of Solomon. The minister talked about how we play those games. We, want to, we don't want to commit, but Solomon, you ain't Solomon. Right? So you don't have, the Bible talks about there's not a person that's been arrayed like Solomon was arrayed. Anyway, you're not Solomon. You don't have that kind of finances or that kind of kingdom or any of that. Right? So the Queen of Sheba showed up and the fame of Solomon was there. And she asked him hard questions. Then verse 20, uh, verse 2. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels <clears throat> that bear spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. Now, again, we talked about what you need to make sure you protect your heart. With some all was in her heart, she was questioning Solomon. Guess what she questioned Solomon? About spiritual things. She was questioning Solomon about how he ran it. She was a queen. She had her own her own king, you know, uh, or you know, uh, kingdom, right? Another place that she ruled. She wanted to understand how Solomon ruled because she understood the wisdom of God was in this man's life. So that's the hard questions, and that's why dating the court. You don't ask the hard questions. Ask these brothers, where's God showing you? Not with me. Where's your life in the next five years, ten years? Okay, then what you doing to arrange your life in that order? See, those are the hard questions. And not this generic stuff. I'm still praying about it. Walk away game. I'm going to prayfully walk away from you too. See, those are the car questions. Instead of talking about how cute they are, fine they are. I, I, I get it. I, I, understand. I've been, I understand. I know where you're at. I understand. I really do. But, but we're trying to show you these are the things that you need to look out for. Right? These are the questions to ask. So he asked Solomon the hard questions. Verse, thir- verse 3. And Solomon told her all the questions... That there was not nothing or anything from uh, hid from the king, which he told her not. He answered all her questions. Because guess what? That's what Solomon is. But now I'm going to jump down to verse 12. After everything that, that happened, <clears throat> in verse 13, Queen of Sheba saw everything that happened. But verse 13, it says, And King Solomon gave unto the Queen of Sheba all her desire. Whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned 
and went to her own country and she and her servants. After she founded the fame of Solomon, if you can read all this, she, she said some other things. She said, you know, the, the, I hadn't, <clears throat> hadn't seen, what would not have been behold, the, the, you know, in other words, I, what I thought it was was way beyond what, what you are, Solomon. Solomon was all that in the bag of chips, as we used to say, right? But she still went back to her kingdom, back to her country. Because you remember, Solomon had several wives, several concubines. And Queen of Sheba understand, I'm not just going to be one more person, one more woman in this harem. She knew how to walk away from that. But she got what she needed from Solomon as far as instruction and counsel and guidance when it comes to the things of God. And, and that's what you have to develop, a walk away game. Because here's the thing I want you to understand. Let me say this to you. When it comes to discernment, when it comes to deal breakers, here's a deal breaker for you. There's some things that are not for you. That's a deal breaker. And God revealed that to you. God has a purpose and plan for your life. And guess what? It may or may not have to deal with marriage. Let me say that for some of you unmarried folks. God has a plan and purpose for your life that may or may not have to deal with being married. Marriage is not the end-all be-all for God to fulfill His purpose in your life. Remember, they said it last week. You are complete in Him. You are whole in Him. So stop using marriage as, I have to get married. You don't have to get married. You know what I have to do? Be born again and believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've got to think about the end game, eternal life. That's why I mean, that's why it's so important to understand there's things that you have to hear for yourself that God has for you and don't let your compromise trying to get married to, to rule out those things. Because it will happen. And I'm going to stop there. I know we're out of time. Anything else, my brothers and sisters? Amen. I hope, I hope, again, everything was said already. I have some other stuff because look at Solomon. God warned Solomon twice about these women. You know, that's the thing that we said before. There's already said is that these women are going to turn your heart away from him. That, that's the discernment. Somebody going to turn your heart away from God. God warns you. God warns you. But once God has, and God has warned every single one of these unmarried people in this ministry about before they got married. But you didn't have the walk away game. You couldn't walk away because you already gave your heart away from, towards them. But God will warn you. It's the thing is, what are you going to do with that counsel once he gives it to you? To me, that's a deal breaker. The deal breaker is you. You don't want to hear no deal breaker. You're not, you're not breaking the deal. Break it. You don't owe no man but the level. That's it. Get that for you unmarried people. Understand, you don't owe no man but the level. You answer, I guess you don't answer to the Lord, Jesus. That's what's so important to remember in this, in this time, this season of your life. You have the leverage. Hold on to it. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.